Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 77 of the Citrix Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. I've got Bill Sutton with me. Bill, how's it going? Going well, Andy. Can't complain. So, Bill, I've been living through uh, birthdays and graduations and vacations over the last 45 days, and it's been awesome. But at the same time, my life has been turned upside down in terms of trying to balance uh, work and personal time. It sounds like you've got a, a birthday or two coming up, and now you're in that same boat. I am in that same boat. My mother's birthday is tomorrow and my wife's birthday is the day after. So I've been struggling to try to come up with ideas and figure out what I'm going to get both of them. And uh, it's, you know, it's always fun to kind of try to fit it in. And last weekend was a whirlwind anyway. So I'm not sure I'll probably get some of the stuff tonight and some of it tomorrow night. So. And, and how do you take that world of work-life balance um, balance and tie it to what uh, what Citrix is trying to do with the workspace, um, which you know workspace includes your life, right? I I do things every day that's part work, part not work, all at the same time sometimes. And I mean, Citrix is really trying to solve that challenge with the, in, the workspace with intelligence model. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know workspace with intelligence. One thing in that the fact that we've got all these the ability to leverage SaaS based apps and virtual desktops in the same from the same place certainly makes my life a lot easier if I need to be, if I'm on the go or I'm, you know, out at lunch or something and I need to respond to something, I can pull up details on projects uh, without having to worry about security uh, and get access to that information on the go. It makes it a lot easier to be, you know, I could be downstairs instead of in my office and on my iPad and pull up what I need. So it uh, gives us all a bunch of, a lot of options to, to get things done. I'll, I'll tell a personal story for me. We have a uh, condo. Uh, I have a condo personally that people that work for Zintegra and clients of Zintegra stay at uh, when they're in town. And uh, we made that a micro app. So the SharePoint site is now a micro app. So in the past, I, I could never remember the link to tell people how to get there. Now, if you log into Zintegra's Citrix workspace, whether it's me or you, and we have different permissions, but you, you know where it's at. That's a great example of one way the organization has made my work and personal life balance better. Yeah, agreed. Uh, definitely hit that workspace and uh, we have access to everything we need right there. All of our, you know, Salesforce and our project management system and the calendar and, you know, all of the other things that we need to do our job uh, on a day-to-day -day basis right there in one place. And if it's not there, you put a request in, uh, you know, help help desk and they, uh, they make it there. They, next they add it there. They add it there and, and, you know, that way you're not having to deal with bookmarks. And then when you're on another device, that bookmark does, may not follow you. And all that hassle that comes along with it, it uh, certainly something like the workspace really makes it a lot easier. It certainly does. It gives the company the ability to kind of guide you through your day mm -hmm. and uh, give you the you know, ability to be successful during the day, while also giving you the ability to, you know, bob and weave as you need to at the same time. Exactly. And, and you know, obviously, when you look at it from an onboarding, offboarding, I think we talked about this uh on another call a week or two ago, man, not a better podcast, but the ability to really quickly get a new employee onboarded, just give them access to the workspace and say, go here. You know, they've got to have a device of some sort, but yeah. that device can be just about anything. Yeah. Any device with an HTML um, browser on it. Right. Um, can get to it and, and use it. And that for me, just last week I was traveling in the hotel kiosk. Uh, it was it was not new by any means, but it had a good enough browser on it where I was able to get to our workspace and use the HTML5 version of Citrix receiver baked in or delivered to the HTML5 browser. And I sat there in the hotel lobby while I was waiting for an hour or two and I got work done. It was awesome. Yep, exactly. 
Well, um, you and I have decided to review a uh, seven-part blog series by Anna Ruiz from Citrix, and we've and we've asked that, uh, and it was, this is my fault, I didn't ask her soon enough, but we've asked that she join us in the future to cover some of these. But uh, Anna put together a seven uh, seven-part series. It's called Seven Ways to Simplify Your Digital Workspace or Yeah Your Digital Workspace Deployment in 2021. And uh, just at a quick glance, this was obviously a no-brainer for us because a lot of what she covers are things that we try to coach customers into and our consultants uh, almost every day. Exactly. Yeah. So the uh, the first one we're going to cover here is uh, probably going to be about uh, providing a uh, platform to host your environment on, whether it's in the cloud uh, or on-premises, and that's specifically around Nutanix, which... Uh, as you know, we've kind of found our way just falling into the Nutanix world because we needed a, an easy to configure integrated workspace um, uh, platform for our workloads. And uh, Nutanix with Acropolis, Acropolis uh, uh, OS, Acropolis Hypervisor, uh, their integration components with the uh, hosting capabilities of uh, Citrix uh, virtual app and desktop service or even Citrix virtual app and desktop on premises uh, is a no brainer. Really simple to do, one simple plugin, uh, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, this blog uh, was co-authored by a guy named John Williamson uh, from over at Nutanix. So we give him his credit, too, for giving us the content that we're going to review today. Yeah. So, Bill, I know you've read over this. Can you just kind of sum up why modernizing the digital workspace is so important as and why Anna put this series together? Yeah, I think I think based on reading the first section of the of the blog um, kind of goes back to a lot of what we were just talking about, which is, you know, the. the organizations, partly because of the COVID pandemic, partly because of the changes in demographics of the workplace. Um, you know, with, uh, digital workspace solutions like what Citrix offers are really uh, starting to come into vogue here and, and you know, allow people to have that work-life balance to, to enable productivity and things of that nature. Um, it's not really something new, but, you know, the, the, the ability to, to put everything in one place again, to make it, uh, make it easy for employees to work from any location on any device. And a lot of this goes back to the Citrix mantra years ago about any device, any location, any network. Um, we're, we're really now able to do that um, uh, to a much greater degree, given the changes in how applications are delivered. You know, I think it's interesting. Within the first couple words of the blog, it talks about well, the, the title talks about workspace and the blog talks about workplace. And if done correctly, those two things just kind of coincide together and you, the user, don't know the difference, right? Your workspace becomes the work. Your workplace becomes the workspace that you're standing in front of at any point in time. Yeah, so, it's kind of what we what what the the message that we've been hearing was work is no longer a place. Uh, it's something you do, right? Uh, right. You know, it, and and the pandemic certainly reinforced that because you know people were having to work from coffee shops when they could. Uh, they were having to work from home in various places in their home. Kids were were going to school from home. Um, so for, for the for the parents, they might be sitting in a bedroom, you know, doing their work. So they certainly weren't in the office, but they still needed to work. And the the, the technology enabled, enabled them and their companies to be able to uh, to do that. So I'll, I'll add one word to that real quick. Your, your work is no longer a place you go, but it's a digital workspace that you log into and interact with securely. And sure. As long as you add that securely piece. Yeah, the securely it, piece is key. It, it becomes the win-win we've been looking for. It's the, the yeah. nirvana that we've been looking for for a long time. And, and necessity drove some of the things that might not have been perfect. Let's say at home, maybe in the beginning of the pandemic, you didn't have dual monitors. Right. Um, 
but you were willing to get work. You were willing to use that setup just because you wanted to get work done. And then by the end of the pandemic, you might've had five monitors, who knows? Or you had a really big monitor you could carve up, you know, because the the technology changed to allow you to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the concept behind the overall series. Now let's jump into this first blog related to the series. And it says the advantages of Citrix on Nutanix digital workspace solution. Can you kind of tell us uh, what in your world you've seen and, and why we as a company have been so bullish on Nutanix as a platform to host your Citrix environments? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I remember Nutanix at a learning about Nutanix at a Citrix conference very, you know, num- very number of years ago, maybe a decade or more. Seems like it hasn't been that long, but uh, really, you know, Nutanix as a platform by, collab- by, by collapsing everything from the old three tier model of uh servers network storage uh, into one box in a sense and clustering them and making them highly available, making it highly available um, and providing the kind of performance that's really needed for, for a virtual desktop or virtual app solution. It really fit really well with what, uh, with what Citrix, you know, Citrix was trying to do. Um, but what, what I find interesting about the blog, and I, I asked this question earlier, I think, and, and we decided to save it for here is it does make reference in the article to, to providing um, users with uh, access to apps and desktops, both on-premises and in cloud. And this is when you run Citrix cloud services with Nutanix cloud platform. Well, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe you can enlighten me on, on what that means. Yeah, and no, I certainly will. I do want to bring up a couple things real quick, though. I'm, I, like you, saw Nutanix first at conferences, and I was going around from booth to booth, and there were multiple vendors that talked to me about using software-defined storage to break the three-tier architecture model and increase increase operational efficiency and speed. Um, what really happened for me when I saw the fact that uh, Nutanix was really in it to win it is what I like to say. Um, when, when I realized, number one, with all these players, you were going to get, you were going to get local access speed using cost effective and becoming more and more cost effective local um, flash drives, whether it's now, now M2 or whether it's a SSD that's you know super fast to begin with. Um, that was a big aha moment. And then the big aha moment was when, you know, uh, Nutanix was able to produce their solution on top of their own hypervisor um, their own derivative of a hypervisor so that so that you didn't need VMware or Citrix. You had this uh, hypervisor that included the Nutanix Acropolis operating system storage mechanisms that would allow you to scale from a small implementation to a large implementation or multiple implementations. Uh, and, and because they worked with Citrix to write the plugin, that hypervisor plugs right into a Citrix on-premises solution and even more applicable now to a Citrix cloud-based solution that's when Nutanix went from being just one of the players to, you know, the player that was going to be a, a real viable platform for a bunch of customers in the short, near-term, mid-term, and long-term future. Absolutely. And, and the other thing, and I think this ties into what you said, is the ability to scale linearly. Uh, you need to, you, you know, you, you buy a cluster of Nutanix to support uh, X number of users, maybe 300 or whatever it happens to be. And you need to add another 100 at another node. You need to add another 100. You don't have to worry about um, architecting the, the IOPS on the storage versus the compute on the servers. All of that was uh, scaled linearly for you. Right. And, and you buy what you need when you need it. You don't have to go right. out and buy massive right. amounts hoping you grow into it. Exactly. Um, you buy a little bit extra and then you grow into that. And while you're growing into it, recognize I got I need to go buy more and I can use the Nutanix tools to help me predict what I'm going to need to buy. It just, just such a much smarter way of um, 
it's kind of like going to the grocery store and buying some product, let's say peanut butter, for example, or I could go to Costco and buy this great big tub of peanut butter, which is great. I'll have it, but it takes up a bunch of space and it's extra money I didn't need to spend right then. It's not always buying big is not always the right answer. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So you asked me a question. So my comment a minute ago is short-term, mid-term, long-term, uh, the mid and long-term and even short-term to some degree uh, for Nutanix is their ability to take their software defined solution, which is what it is. Um, you know, it's not hardware, it's commodity hardware, take commodity right. hardware that's available in your clouds, like Amazon AWS and soon to be Azure and soon to be GCP. Take that same hardware that's sitting in those data centers. And instead of deploying the Amazon operating system on top of that hardware, you actually deploy the Nutanix operating system on top of that hardware, scaling it up, scaling it down. And then now basically <clears throat> what you have in Amazon or Azure or GCP is the same exact Nutanix solution you have on premises. It's just now it's more of an OPEX uh, model that allows you to consume as you need to even more than you can on premises. So basically the same platform, but a, the, the ability to use the cloud economics or the cloud capabilities of being able to scale up, scale down as you need to without having to invest in more hardware, potentially. It 100% exactly that. It becomes an OpEx model and you know, your former accountant, you can see the value in that. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, the skill set that you're learning on-premises goes straight into the cloud with you and you're yeah. not relearning a new skill set in the cloud you're able to go back and forth literally real time. Now that may not actually exist today, but at some point there'll be the ability to live migrate a user without them knowing from on-premises to the cloud and back, and they won't even know it. Well, I was going to ask that question next, kind of as a stupid question. If you've got the same Nutanix platform on-prem and also you're subscribed to a similar platform in the cloud, can you live migrate hosts or at least, or even just migrate hosts from on-prem to the cloud, like in a DR situation. Yeah, you would 100% be able to migrate them at a cold state, you know, turned off right. now. Right. Um, I asked this question before. I, I don't know. I may be putting you know words into someone's mouth. I would be shocked that if in the future you wouldn't be able to live migrate from one to the other. Uh, that would be extremely powerful. You got all these users, you know, in your data center, and you're cost-effectively hosting them. Uh, Friday night kicks in. You live migrate them to the cloud and, and put them on standby. And then you take your data center, and this is a stretch here, but people get my point. You take your data center and start doing uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin mining or encryption mining for data, for uh, monetary, um, that type of stuff. I'm not saying people would do that. Some people would do that. But then you find other needs for your hardware to run all weekend, or you turn it off and then you turn it back on Monday. And if the user needs theirs, you turn it'll turn back on in the cloud. Uh, and then Monday morning, you start to move stuff back and power on, and you you know potentially save you know two two sevenths of your operating uh, energy cost in your data center. Exactly. And if you can re if you can rent it, uh, kind of that model of the shared services model back in the mainframe days, you know you can you can make money off of it if you, if that's something you want to do. Yeah, yeah, you potentially like we're doing with solar panels on your house. You can you know, put put money, put energy back into the system and actually defer some of the cost or make money. Yep, yep. Um, now, in addition to this, th that model allows you to. We're talking to a customer now that's talking about taking their on premises and in, instead of paying for their DR solution uh, that they currently have, they're just going to use Nutanix to have a DR solution. You know, stand by in the cloud. And, and really what we're now talking about, like, why don't you just move your production to the cloud and have your on-premises be uh, the DR and then, right. or some other location. And you can kind of balance between the two, maybe do 90%, 80% in the cloud and 20% and on-premises. And at any point in time, depending on the cost, 
you could move back and forth and, and spin up more catalogs on premises, less in the cloud or vice versa. That's extremely enabling and powerful. Yeah. That's uh, really whether you ever take advantage of it or not, it's at least to have that options. It's great. Yeah. That's really powerful. You know, with the pipeline thing that happened a few weeks ago with the gas, the Colonial Pipeline, I came to the realization that I should probably have, if I'm going to have two cars anyway, let's have an electric car and let's have a gas-powered car. And whatever happens in the world's world, uh, I'll be prepared to at least get back and forth to wherever I got to go. Uh, and in a normal day, they both work fine. But if one or the other breaks, I can default to the other. You can rely on the other. Yeah, I, I lived that because I was down your way when that happened. Oh, yeah. For a while, I thought I might be stuck, although it wouldn't have been so bad to have been stuck in the condo. Yeah. But now let's put that the other direction. I went to Atlanta over the weekend for a business trip, left uh, Friday morning. Halfway down there, I stopped at a gas station, and there was a guy getting a brand new electric Ford Mach-E Mustang put on the back of a rollback. I was like, man, what happened? And he said, well, I, I, I drove down to Atlanta thinking I could stop halfway. Uh, I didn't have a full charge. I thought I could stop halfway and, and energize the car. Uh, turns out that one charging station that was his last hope was out of service and so now he was having to get his co car towed to the next one. Oh wow he, he probably should have just drove his gas powered car on that right. trip right right well bill I, I think we've covered this topic uh hopefully we've got uh, anna accepts and joins us for the next time and i love the way she's kind of broken this up into very digestible chunks on uh, you know ways to kind of simplify the workspace, this uh, this Nutanix piece or other cloud type integrations, those are those are no brainers, and you know, we've certainly been leading our customers to this for the, the past. Yeah, we've been we've been doing this for a lot of customers, and and uh, <clears throat> you know you mentioned something earlier as we're closing here though, you mentioned something earlier about um, the Acropolis hypervisor uh, when when Nutanix of course first launched, it was all based on on the VMware stack. Uh, and then eventually they added Acropolis based on KVM and they have taken that and really, really enhanced it and made it a real first class hypervisor. We have many of our customers are running it on AHV. We have a lot that are running it on VMware, yeah. but um, it's it's definitely a, a first class citizen, particularly when it comes to uh, to VDI. Yeah, I mean, desktop, I, I call it dumb desktop workloads. I mean, if you do it right, they really <laughs> are dumb desktop workloads. We don't need right. we don't need to add any extra cost. Uh, yep. the, the Acropolis hypervisor does a fine job of that. And to be honest, what most people find is they, they kind of bring it in um, at some point, either full bore or half-heartedly. And then they find out, Hey, this thing's pretty good. I'm, I might want to use it for my infrastructure workloads. And that happens quite a lot. Exactly. I, I mean, back, back when you and I were first introduced to Nutanix, you know, they were, they were at these conferences that we went to really focused on BDI. And that was one of their biggest workloads initially. And then I think they kind of started expanding as they got AHV out there and looking at other workloads like SQL and some of the medical software. And uh, it looks like they've, they, they continue to do that, of course, but uh, BDI is still a big part of their workloads. Yeah, without a doubt. Hey, yeah. we can't let this go. And I don't know if this comes up in a different um, blog in the series at some point, but Nutanix files, that's the second yeah. piece of the Nutanix story. Okay. Getting those um, profiles via SMB or FS Logics or even folder redirection in the same environment, potentially and likely on the same server that the host is running the desktop workload on, that's another area that adds the uh, adds to the world of Nutanix and Citrix that makes it seem very, very near native. The users don't know they're in a non-persistent world. Yeah, and you're and you're getting you're you're getting away from you know file servers having to set up you know Windows file servers or other types of file services. Um, you don't need to to point it to a SAN or a NAS because that's right there on the Nutanix. It's all 
um, data locality uh, right there local to the to the VM. So you've got good performance and and good uh, good availability. It's 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 a no brainer. You're right. At, at the very least, it's a 10 gig one hop away at the very least. That's exactly. Yeah. You imagine if we had that when we were doing full time consulting way back in the day, all these all the challenges we ran into. Oh, yeah. No, def- most definitely. And, you know, most of the challenges back then, as I recall, were a lot of the challenges, not not necessarily all of them, but uh, were storage related, you know, storage or storage networking, getting the, the kind of horsepower out of the storage we really needed. And, you know, something like this the Nutanix solution for it. We don't, I won't say we don't ignore it, but we, it's not as nearly as much of a worry as it was back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You asked where we're going to put these, uh, where we're going to put these file shares and they would point to some old clunky file server, yeah. hundred meg connection in the corner. Oh, this is our file server. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And you pointed to that and then they'd wonder why they had a two minute login login as it's trying to, you know, trying to pull all those profiles over there. Yeah. Five gig profiles. Yeah, Exactly. Oh boy! Oh well, they got this. These kids today—they got it so much better than we did. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, I appreciate you joining. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Ben back. I think he's on vacation. Let's let's do this. Um, at the bottom of this blog, it talks about what's next. Uh, looks like uh, the second blog is how to simplify the Citrix virtual app and desktop application control plane. Obviously, that's a Citrix no-brainer. I was on the I was on a project last week with one of your guys, Alan, and we were going through the the, the control plane in the cloud type stuff. And with Wim and and uh, you know workspace, including gateway functionality, I was just kind of laughing. I was like, well, heck, most of the hard work's out, and you don't even have to do that anymore. Yeah, the hard work's the image. Um, we, you know, we don't, we're not, but you know, when you think about it, the hard work's always really been the image. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's really where you've got to do the tuning. That's where you've got to make sure your GPOs are, are, are set up properly. Your Citrix policies are set up properly. It, what we don't, what we don't have to do anymore is get all those, all that infrastructure set up. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the setup of even of Citrix virtual apps and desktops is a next, next finish. But the key thing there is the customer doesn't have to worry about when you start talking about cloud, they don't have to worry about that whole SQL cluster that they've got. They really should have. Right. A lot of them don't choose to do that, but they they really should have a SQL cluster because it's critical to the functionality of that on-prem environment. But in the cloud, uh, it's all there. And if you start adding in WIM, that's another database that needs to be you need to have in place. And that's in the cloud as well. So, yeah, it it takes a lot of the, the. the routine cyclical stuff that we do every time uh, out of the mix, but we still need to focus heavily on that, uh, on that image. Yeah. There's, there's still plenty of room for good consulting for the, oh, yeah. and the tuning, uh, but the heavy lifting, at least the heavy lifting and getting that in a redundant fashion, that's the key. That's really what you were talking about a minute ago so that you can go deploy all across the country, across the world. Right. That's when it really got sticky the old way. Yeah, and if and, and the old way, like you said, across the world or across the country, then you're starting to talk about multiple locations. And do you do you leverage your control plane at your your primary site to support the remote site? No, you want to put control plane out there, and then you've got to keep those in sync, or you've got two points of management, and then you've got you know all the other things that go along with DR. Uh, when you put it all in the cloud uh, with the gateway service, it, the gateway service can be local wherever the, the guys on on the West coast, it's going to use a pop in the West coast for access. Um, and then you can have resource locations pretty much anywhere you want. So it's, it's all bound by the cloud connector, not by all those other components that we had to bound that we had to use in the past. Right. 
All right, so let me just run through this. The first one we're covering yep. today. Um, second one is the control plane. The third says how to simplify digital workspace solutions, virtualize and file services. I bet this Nutanix thing is going to come back then with yep. files, I bet. Uh, how to simplify digital workspace security. Like we said a while ago, all of this is well and good, but got to keep the security element in play. Uh, number five, how to simplify reporting analysis and issue remediation. Um, obviously, the, a lot of tools out there. Citrix Analytics is probably going to be a big part of that story. Uh, how to simplify United, uh, unified workspace. We talked about that a little bit already today. Uh, how to simplify business continuity and hybrid cloud. Um, love, love, love talking about disaster recovery and business continuity right. and how Citrix plays into those scenarios these days and the fact that people need to understand the difference between DR and BC uh, and how Citrix can really help enable that. Yeah, that's key. And and I, I think a lot of folks think they're very they're the same or similar and they are markedly different. But if you deploy a services-based solution or solutions, they can become closer and closer to each other and become what people have always dreamed that they were. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Bill, thanks. Uh, I think, I don't know about you, but I think I have four or five more podcasts today. And my feeling is you're on at least one more of those. So uh, yep. we'll see you later today. Okay, man. All right. Thanks, Bill.